When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Text Podcast. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore. And the basketball team is good. Who knew? Right? We've been talking about this all during non-con that we didn't know just how good the team was going to be. We made our predictions. We talked about it all. But guess what? As we're talking right now, recording right now, Texas Tech is 3-0 in conference, 14-2 on the co- uh, overall, one of the best teams in the Big 12, the toughest conference in America, and uh, it feels great. And so because it feels so fantastic, I had to bring on into Albies Arena the most optimistic, the most you know pro-tech person in the tech podcast sphere. And that is Steven Rodriguez from Talking Tech Podcast. What's going on, Steve? Oh, man. I, I I wear that with pride. I would argue, though, that my co-host Tristan is the most positive-thinking Texas Tech fan, probably of all time. Not just a podcaster, but we do. We like to stay positive. We like to have a good time. When we lose, it makes it just that much more painful. And when we win, we're that much more happy. So, you know, it's kind of a... It's kind of a win-lose The best time to bring you on is either when we're at a point we are now where we're on a high, we're tied for first in the Big 12, or where we're totally crap. Like, we're the worst team there is. We just need somebody (laughs) to to talk us off the ledge. Like, losing to Kansas, they're like, yeah, let's talk to – let's go ahead and pop in that Talking Tech Mm -hmm. episode Mm -hmm. and let them them tell us how Matt Wells actually isn't all that bad. Like, that's (laughs) – that is the greatest times to listen to y'all. Uh, that we we try so hard to stay positive at those moments, and it's just it gets real <laughs> difficult at points. But no, right now, great. Where everything is fantastic. We're undefeated in the Big Twelve. Just us and yeah. Baylor at the top. I mean, it is great. It is so I do. Before we kind of get into the last recent stretch for Texas Tech basketball, I do want to get what your thoughts were. And I know I've I've read your tweets, and I kind of already have an under uh, uh, thought of you know where you are. But Grant McCallison hire happens in the off season. Not the sexiest hire, but the hire that just made sense from really the very beginning. All right, what were your thoughts? Were you kind of on the plane of, you know, let's go after, let's we got the money, let's be the big name program that we think we can be, or was it let's make the smart, methodical hire like we ended up doing? You know, I think initially I was on the train of let's get a name because we built this program enough to enough relevancy to at least hire somebody big. We're in the best conference in the country. I mean, this is one of the you know richest NIL programs when you're just talking about general for college sports. And so I was like, we can go out and get somebody big. And then you see some of the names that are thrown around. I mean, Patino's name was thrown out there for a little bit there. And uh, this so, guy, though, so Patino, Grant McCaslin, was always did it. there. You were like, let's get a huge name. And then they say Rick Patino, And you're like, ah, you know, never mind. <laughs> I, I was kind of when they started saying Patino, I was like, we don't need another old guy. We just went through the whole thing with the old guys. Let's go get a young dude who's hungry and wants to win, and it's proven 
that he can win at his previous stops. And I mean, Grant McCaslin's name, we talked to Nora and Sodiase over the summer um, right after we hired Grant McCaslin. And basically, I mean, he just gave enough. He was like, he blew us away in the interview process. I mean, and to get a guy that energetic and that ready to win and that ready to be in Lubbock, it just like, it sold me enough after talking. Yeah, to Norris was, and he was part of the interview process. He was a, kind of did the, you know, I ain't gonna lie to you, did the same thing to us. I was like, okay. And I will say this, I will say this, and I, I do feel like I was a little higher on Grant McCausen than most of the fan base, which is not normal. I feel like I'm usually much more of a, I'm, people have called me pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic, but I do, I do feel like I'm a little bit more real in that aspect. But I was higher on Grant McCausen because I've seen him. And actually it started a few years ago whenever he first interviewed for the Mark Adams job. And when he first interviewed for the Mark Adams job, I looked at it and said, oh, okay, this guy knows how to coach a little bit and reviewing his background. And then what ends up happening is, is after a guy almost interviews, you kind of look and see, you know, where has he gone since? And so I, I kept up with UNT and I'm like, no, that UNT team is pretty dang good. So the second the job came back open, he was yeah. one of the first people I looked at and said, no, this guy, I don't know if we'll hire him or not, but he should be at the top of the list. And so, you know. But he wasn't a sexy hire. I mean, there's no doubt about it. He was not a sexy. UNT is never going to be a sexy hire, to pay, regardless of what you get from there. No, no. But when you actually start looking into it, what that UNT program was before he got there, and then the six years that he was there, you just see that this guy, I mean, is a program changer. Because that North Texas team was not anything until he got there. I think they had like one, two, maybe 21 seasons. And then he had five when he was there, minus the COVID year. I mean, Absolutely. It was, it was so crazy. I will say, and this is actually a great transition, because last time we were here um, and, and, and Jeremy was on, we talked about the Oklahoma State game. Uh, between that last episode and this episode, a guy that Grant McCasney used to coach, Tyler Perry, plays for Kansas State. And those Kansas State Wildcats came to Lubbock, Texas. Now, K-State, they're a good team. I know they weren't ranked, and I know that you know you, uh, people that don't know much about – the, the only one of details about college basketball teams, if they're not ranked, they're not good enough, right? They're not, they must not be anything. But no, K-State's a good team. They're coached really well. Jerome Tang, last year they were kind of the darlings of college basketball because, you know, the video came out with how Jerome Tang does pregame, which was awesome. Um, Jerome Tang's a great guy. They both come from the Scott Drew Baylor tree, right? And then K-State really just, they had a great season last year. And the, though they lost some players from last year's team, this is still a formidable tough team and they showed it there in, Lu in Lubbock you know going into that game over the weekend what were your thoughts heading into the game well there were so many to your point there's so many similarities to last year's Kansas State team with Jerome Tang to this year's Gray McCaslin team with Texas Tech I mean you had to bring in an entirely new roster minus a few pieces you know a Marquise Noel here a Pop Isaacs for at Texas Tech you know, you retain some of that, but honestly, you had four new starters going into this year. If Cambridge doesn't get hurt, you know, you still have four new starters. So uh, going into this one, I was very 50-50. Like, I was still, I'm still not even too sure what this Texas Tech team is yet. I just know that they're playing really, really good right now. And they're playing team ball. They're playing together. Everybody is really figuring out their roles. And... I was positive with that, knowing me being the positive person. I was like, okay, yeah, it's at home. You know, we're coming off two big wins against UT and Oklahoma State, who are not scrubs by any means. Oklahoma State isn't great, but they're not scrubs. And so, yeah, I, you know, I didn't watch a lot of Kansas State, to be honest with you, like this season. I knew the whole situation. I've been following them loosely with the whole Naquan Tomlin situation. And, you know, you kind of see a, a little bit of craziness going on within the program. But if you just look at their on ball or on the court, you know, 
they're just a really, really good, solid team that's going to play for a coach that they want to play for. I mean, it's 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 impressive. I was I came out of that game more impressed with Kansas State. You I know, think, it's funny going into this game. I actually thought that if it was a close game, K State was going to win, and and the reason is because. K-State's won nothing but close games all season. And it's because of that guy, Tyler Perry, right? He hits game winner after game winner. I mean, close win over Providence, close win over North Alabama, which shouldn't have been close, but it was. Close win over Villanova. Um, and so that was – I'm like, man, we got to kind of beat this team. We got to beat them like USC did. We got to beat them like Nebraska did if we're going to be able to win this game. But this is also a team similar to what you were saying with Tech that I didn't know how good they were mostly because – in the you know, Big 12 plays usually the time you see just how good a team is. And with Tech, you've, you, you mentioned it. Texas game really showed us, to me anyway, though I think Texas is overrated per use, um, they're still a good-ish team. They're still a tournament. They should be anyway, a tournament-level team, right? Uh, but K-State hasn't played a Big 12 tournament-level team yet. I mean, the first two games were against probably the two worst teams in the conference, UCF and West Virginia, West Virginia, and I say that, UCF and West Virginia also both just pulled off great upsets. So, obviously, I'm an idiot that doesn't know what I'm talking about. But but those were perceived <laughs> as the two worst teams in the conference going in, and those were back-to-back wins. So it was a question of, well, just how good is K-State? I mean, they, they lose to Nebraska, but Nebraska's actually looking like they may have a good season. They beat Villanova, but that Villanova team, though we also lost to Villanova, that is a team that looks worse every time they play step on the basketball court. Um, and they lost to USC, which – Kind of the same thing. So it's a question of, like, you know, who, how, good of, how good of a team are they? So as the game started, right, and you have this team that is, knows how to win games and knows how to win close games, I should say. As the game started, right from the get-go, you think, oh, Tech got this. Oh, this is, this is going to be yeah. easy. Oh, Tech <laughs> got this. They start the game off. It's 14 to 5. Yeah. You're like, oh, we're making everything. We can't miss. Tucson and Pop are getting to the basket at will. Like, oh, Hey, warm the bus up for K State. It's it's a wrap. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it was it was a very hot start. I was thrilled with how we played early on, and then you know, obviously, you see what comes in the second half. There, I, it was it was the ultimate game of runs with these two teams, man. I mean, it, the thing about both of these teams is they really don't give up. Like at any point, they do not let up. Uh, now, shots are falling, shots are not falling. But in Kansas State, you saw every shot was falling there in the the end of the first half, and then Texas Tech started getting it going a little bit. Even well, though here, here's the thing, Stephen, not to cut you off, but let me tell you something. It was twenty two to thirteen. I could not wait for the first half to end sooner. After they went on a what was this a twenty to nothing run to end the first half, I was like, Lord Jesus, please. Yeah, I think it was twenty three to three. Please end this half as soon as possible. I, you know, I, because mind you, I'm watching. So, you know, for those that listen to the podcast, I'm a Texas, I'm a Texans fan. I'm a Texans fan. So I'm watching both games at the same time. And I'm, you know, on, on the football <laughs> half, I'm like, oh, this is a back and forth game. First half, yada, yada. You know, like what's going to happen here? And I feel the other side. I'm like, oh my God, please stop the half. Like, just like, stop it. Like, just get to halftime as soon as possible. Cause we can't make a basket. It was so it was so frustrating. Those seven minutes where there was nothing going on offense. You could tell, you know, when their shots were going in, it was like something happened in our heads where it was like, okay, we need to either, you know, shoot a three real quick. We got to get it in. We got to keep passing. And they just kept making mistakes and were very uncharacteristic. 
you know, from what we've seen from this Texas Tech team. So, yeah, I was the same way. I was like, please, let's get to halftime. Let's regroup. Let's do something uh, different there than was what a, we've been doing here there was for the past seven minutes. Warren Washington missed the free throw. We got the rebound back, got fouled again, and missed the free throw. <laughs> uh, it was and and overall like it was a yeah. tough game for pop yep. like pop had a bad game joe, shooting wise you know joe tucson had a pretty poor game shooting wise um you know Kerwin didn't shoot the best and it's just like your normal guys that are normally knocked down you're just you're just missing it's off the rim it's off the rim it's off the rim and it seemed like we had a million of those yeah. especially in the so, first half but halftime we're down yeah. 11 33 to 22 we haven't scored in eight minutes it's 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 tough it's tough out here. And I do think, though, and, and Jeremy and I have talked about this previously, I, I do think that one, you know, I'll backtrack a little bit. I, I, Graham McCasin's a very interesting person because in the UNT days, I was expecting a hard-fought, hard-nosed defense. What we've watched the last however many years under Mark, uh, Chris Beard and Mark Adams. Of, of you know, teams are going to fight. It's going to be low scoring. We're, it's going to be a, a dogfight on defense. And offensively, we're just going to pray for every two points we get, right? I was expecting that. And we talked about in the last episode how there was a, 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 a flick was switched. and Or switch was flicked, however you want to say it. But the uh, the that game um, against uh, a Butler, I think, is where that switched. And since then, we've scored 75-plus points every single game, Right. And, uh, however, it was almost at ha- like at halftime of this game, Grant was like, hey, guys, we, we got to go back. We got to go back to just fighting and scrapping for every single possession. All this run and gun stuff that we've been doing for the past, you know, month and a half, it's great when it works. It ain't working right now. So we got to adjust and we got to fix it. And the second half, though K-State kept the lead for like that first half of the second half, it was a different ball game, in my opinion, from the tech side. We were more. We were scrappy. We weren't. We were slowing the game down a little bit more. We were trying to bit by bit trying to get back in the game. What, what were your take? Yeah, no, I, I I pretty much agree with everything you said. It was it was a grinded out classic Texas Tech performance that we've seen the last however many five six years at Texas Tech, where you know you play defense and then offense. If it happens for you, it happens for you, and you keep as the ball this motion thing. Luckily, with this team. There's so many different ways that you can succeed. I mean, whether it's passing the ball, the pick and roll game is always solid with Warren and with Pop. Uh, those shots just necessarily weren't falling, but you still have guys that are down low grinding. I mean, Darion Williams getting, I think we had 10 offensive rebounds in the second half. He was a huge part of that. Warren was a huge part of that. He got going early in that second half. Uh, really just tough buckets that uh, we haven't had to really go to this year quite yet. And um, it was it was just a pleasure like to watch them keep in the game because there were plenty of moments where Kansas State could have just absolutely taken off with that lead. They got it seven, nines, and then back to four, and then back to nine. And it was like, oh, my God, when is this going to happen? And then it finally happened there and kind of the floodgates so opened there. So K-State kept trying to land the knockout punch. Especially towards the end of it, they kept trying. There was a, I remember there was a play that I thought was the knockout punch when Tyler Perry made that jumper with a little less than five to go. They were up by nine, and I'm thinking, oh, that might be it, right? And then Tech kind of fights a little bit, fights a little bit, makes it a close game. But then again, another, another, uh, what was this? Yep, another knockout punch when when Finister is able to get to the rim, and he has that layup. Three minutes to go, up eight. That kind of feels like it's it, right? Like. 
that was that was where I physically cringed and was like, I don't think it's gonna happen. Like when he, when they got that breakaway, it was off of a. I, I think Pop and Warren had a miscommunication, and then they took it and ran and had an alley oop on the other end. And I was like, I don't know, man. I don't know how you and come but back. Here's the thing. It, you know what? It, in hindsight, obviously, I didn't feel this way at the time, but in hindsight, if you remember the Oklahoma State game, Oklahoma State early in the game was up big. And I was like, man, how are you losing Oklahoma State like this? Or like, you know, however many. And there was that one play where they dunked it, hung on the rim for like 30 minutes, and called the timeout right mm-hmm. afterwards. No tech for no yeah, tech. no tech for no whatever tech, reason. By the way, and and that was <laughs> almost like a turning point because from that moment on, game was over. Tech went on a huge run and won the game. And I didn't now, I, and I, it's funny because at the time in Oklahoma State, I felt hmm, that might be a mistake for you hanging on the rim like this. I necessarily, I didn't feel that way in this K-State game at the time. In hindsight, I kind of do, though. In hindsight, I'm like, K-State felt like the game was over with three minutes and 21 seconds to go, right? Because it, it kind of felt like that from a fan's perspective. And a big piece is immediately to stop making that layup and say, not a game ain't over. Like, the game, nah, I, I don't know what you, what you thought it was, but Joe T was like, and Joe T being, the, like, He's been a leader from day one. From, like, the second he stepped on campus, he's been a huge leader. Oh, yeah. And stuff he, like this. Yeah. And a bad shooting night for both him and Pop. They both look terrible shooting the ball. For him to just be like, no, nah, I'm going to get a quick basket and let you know that this game isn't over. We're not in. And I didn't let K-State know, but let the team know. Game's not over. We still got three minutes to go in this game. And now it's not being down eight with three minutes to go. It's us being down six with three minutes to go. And it's a two-possession game. Yeah, and even before that, I mean, there was when it when it was nine. I think it was with five minutes left. They go directly down Darian Williams three pointer. I mean, just to keep us in it, just to keep you in it, and then you know go from there. But yeah, Joe T was huge down the stretch. His defense though in the second half was the real key, in my opinion. Um, seeing Tyler Perry shoot the shoot the lights out in the first half. I think he made what three, four threes in a row. Then he goes in the second half one for eight. Joe T guarded him pretty much the entire time, if not Pop switching on him. They really found uh, found a way to make him uncomfortable and not get to his spots. Uh, so d- offensively, obviously, the game-winning bucket for Joe T and then that big layup there at the end. But uh, defensively, was this was a well, really strong I mean, He made, he made the game-winning stop. So, like, yeah, Joe T has the last couple buckets and a free throw. Down one. K-State has the ball. It's, of course, going to Tyler. Tyler Perry makes every game-winning shot for K-State. So it's not a shock to know. Like, it's everybody in the arena that's watched Kansas State play at all, or UNT play, or Tyler Perry in general play at all for the last two and a half seasons, knows who's getting the ball to end this game. It's not a secret. There's not, like, some fantasy of, like, oh, we're actually going to use him as a... No, 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 no. Jerome Tang is not going to decoy him. He's going to use him to hit the game-winning shot. And I know this because I watched the Villanova game where I thought, oh, maybe he uses him a decoy. And they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> he's getting the ball. He's, he's going to shoot. And, yeah. That's why we brought And mind you, in that Villanova K-State game, game, Tyler Perry had an awful game. He was terrible. And well, they, he's been he's been very, like, shooting-wise, percentage. I think he's only shooting, like, 32, 33% but he's shooting like three this year. So 80% when it comes performance. to game-winning shots. Like, I don't – I don't, I, I, I made a stat, <laughs> but I'm sure it's probably yeah. somewhere close to there. <laughs> and so, with that – and I'm not going to lie to you, because I, I know this, because I've seen these games – and I watched the Providence game, and I watched the Villanova game, I'm like, he's built for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> this moment, yeah, playing like, his former coach yeah. on the road, I'll, he's going like, to ruin my day. It is halftime of the Texas game <laughs> at this point. So I'm glued. You know, so I'm like, he's he's built for this. He's going, if I was a K-State fan, I'd be like, oh, this is a wrap. He's built for it. And But I will say, and I think against anybody else, Tyler Perry hits a dagger. 
I, he should have kept it. I think his mistake was driving in the lane. I mean, because he had, I think, two other guys around him at that point. Not just Joe playing good defense, but I think Darion had hand in there. Obviously, Warren's his own presence in the paint. And that was his mistake. He should have kept it outside if he shot it. Uh, you know, him going one-on-one, I think it would have been. Well, to be fair, if I'm taking the Villanova game, for example, he went one-on-one and just hit a nice little step back. He didn't He went, didn't get too tricky with it, didn't get too fancy with it. You know, just had a nice little step back, crazy separation, and got that bucket. Um, and But, you know, Joe, Joe, but I'll say this, though. Joe T did something that was different than what Villanova and Providence did. Is he stepped to him and was in his grow. He was aggressive in his grow from the very beginning. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it made it very difficult for Tyler Perry to even think about getting a shot off. And Joe T, not only the game-winning bucket, but also the game-winning defensive stop. It was incredible. He was so smart with that last defensive stop because the play before that, when Tyler Perry got those two free throws for them to go back up, he went too far in, and Perry leaned in and got got the foul call. So he really learned from his mistakes, and that's something McCaslin said in his postgame presser. He was like, these guys are just continuously learning what when they make a mistake, not to yeah. repeat it, not to do it again. And they're, I mean, you have so many smart basketball players on this yeah. Texas Yeah, and that's really, and like to me, this year anyway, that's all I can really ask for. And you talked about defense on Joe T and just the, deep, the team in general. You know, a great stat we talked about last episode was the fact that this team, since that Butler game, has not given up more than 10 turnovers since then. They just do not give up more than, more than nine. Nine is the most they've given up since then. Uh, this game, same thing, only gave up nine turnovers. But force 18 Kansas State turnovers, most of that in the second half. An incredible job there. Um, and a game that you knew you were going to lose a rebounding battle, but to, to your point, offensive rebounds, we get a lot of offensive rebounds in that one. Uh, we lost a rebounding battle, but it wasn't nowhere near as bad as it probably should have been, right? And so, absolute great win for Tech, a grinded out win in the Big 12 when every other top Big 12 team uh, lost their faced the test and lost that test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's really it's crazy to see us at three and zero right now because if you if you asked me at the beginning of this year if Texas Texas was gonna be three and zero in the Big Twelve, ain't no way in hell. I would have said yeah, no, no way. way. <laughs> I mean, no, no chance that happens. But I mean, you have to go to Texas. You got a tough Kansas State team coming to Lubbock. I mean, they're and in Graham McCassin's first year. And like y'all's great tweet, Graham McCassin has not lost <laughs> a Big Twelve game yet. It's nuts. Yeah. It's it's you know. It, I will say his ability to adjust, his ability to change, his ability to adapt, and all of that. It's, he is an incredible just coach, but he's an incredible coach. It's not. It's 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 such a change of pace from the last two guys. And now I like you know we could you know, we could crap on the last two coaches all we want because of their circumstances and everything. But something that Mark Adams in particular did nah, not he didn't adjust. No. adjust. You know, he played his brand of basketball, and he was going to play his brand of basketball the entire time. And if it worked, it worked. If it didn't, it didn't. And it didn't work a lot last year. And so seeing a guy who's so willing to change his style of play for the entire team just on a whim, seeing what works, he's constantly coaching. He's constantly telling guys what to do, how to attack differently, uh, you know, a different defensive stance, how to guard Kaluma differently, how to guard Perry differently. He's he's yeah. always talking to these guys, and it's such a yeah. nice See, change. And I do think the difference. So, so if we're talking about Mark Adams. I think Mark Adams is, is he has his that distinct difference. Mark Adams is a lot like Tex Winter. So, like for 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 people who um, uh, may or may not know who Tex or uh, actually, let me change the analogy a little bit because I like this analogy a little bit better. Uh, how mummy. So Hal Mummy is the true originator of the air raid, right? A lot of it goes to Mike Leach, but it's really Hal Mummy. Um, 
He's actually Mike Leach was an assistant coach under Hal Mummy. I think he did it at uh, I want to say BYU or wherever. Uh, but Hal Mummy is the original originator of the air raid. The reason why you don't hear about Hal Mummy as much as you hear about Mike Leach is because Hal Mummy truly stuck to his guns on the air raid. There are true tr principles of the air raid that are true. And how Mummy said, I am not dissipating from what the true, true, true air raid is. Now, Mike Leach took that and still did a, a very letters of law air raid, but mixed in some other things, too. He still put some spread concepts in there. So did some other things that were successful. Cliff Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley took the air raid and said, yeah, that's nice and all. But let's also mix in some running. Let's also mix in some mobile quarterback play. Let's also do this. And they evolved from it. Mark Adams is a lot like how Mummy in that this is my distinct style. The no middle defense is Mark Adams' baby. When he passes away on his tombstone, it'll be the originator of the true no middle defense. Chris Beard, in my opinion, is the Mike Leach of Mark Adams, you know, to Mark Adams' how Mummy. Chris Beard took that no middle defense and he adapted it some, right? Had his little motion offense that. Well, we can say what we want to say about that one. But Chris Beard, at the same time, he, he still adapted a little bit, and he was able to, to, to make it work, but still had an identity that he wanted to enforce on his team and would rather get players that fit that identity than, than twerk the players to make it, right? He, he had a piece where he's like, I need you to do this, that, this, that, and the other. And if you can't do it, sure, I can adjust a little bit. I can make those halftime adjustments, but I'm not going to do too much. Grant McCallison is like, look, I just want players that are smart, that are going to do A, B, and C and do this. And I will fit, I can coach my ass off to fit whatever the hell I need to do for my team. You know? Yeah. He's, he's going to mold his team to play to the utmost ability that his players and his talent that he has on his team currently. So, like, North Texas the last several years. That was a team that needed to play slower. That was a team that needed to grind it out and get those tough wins and play great defense and do all that good stuff. This year at Texas Tech, he's got guys that can run. Warren Washington is a hell of a rim runner for a guy that big. You know, Darian Williams can do all sorts of different things. Pop's a shooter. Joe's a shooter, you know? Like, he is molding his offense and his defense to his players. And those are what the best coaches do. They don't stick to just their style because sometimes you don't have that type of player that fits your style perfectly. We saw last yeah. year with Mark Adams. Those guys did not fit the way he wanted to play basketball and that's what bites you in the butt and that's what makes you bad some years and good some years so yeah no to, i mean more to that point great mccaslin is the ultimate um just what do i have how can i use them yeah. to the best no, absolutely of their and i'll say this i believe that the, in my opinion people are going to disagree and whatever but in my opinion the two best coaches in college basketball are bill self and scott drew they both do that all the time Bill Self's teams look different every other year. Every other year they look different, and every other year he changes. They play differently depending on what they look like, right? Right now, his best player is a point forward. So you know what he does? He lets that point forward basically be the Draymond Green of the team uh, without choking people and plays from the top of the key and facilitate <laughs> from there. Important, Important detail. To, to play from the top of the key, dish it out that way and lead the team from there. He's. Not, I don't think he's. I don't think Kansas has ever had – a point forward be the leader, the offensive leader of a team. However, he's he's always been guard. It's always been guard. It's a, and if, always and if their best player guard, is a forward, yeah. it's because and they're working it down to the post. But they've never had a Kevin McCullough before. And so because they have Kevin, and let me tell you something. Quick aside, it listen. I know it's upsetting that he went to Kansas. I get that. It upsets me so much more that he's as good as he is now. 
Like he's gonna he's like he's gonna be a, a, a candidate for the Naismith, Stephen. He's gonna be a candidate for the Naismith. Yeah, he's incredible. Oh. This is what the I hell, know. man? He's, it's fr- it's it's very frustrating when uh, you know obviously before the whole Terrence Shannon situation happened, it was like him, McCuller, Jalen Tyson doing, was doing oh, his thing on Jaylen the Jalen Tyson team, is a great he's, one. He's I mean he's, he's killing, dude. He's still getting he's getting 25, 30 points, and it's like we could have yeah. had all no. these dudes. <laughs> Yeah. We had all these dudes. It's frustrating. Yes, no, I, I, I am there with the frustration. I will say Jalen Tyson. Jalen Tyson, I'm actually proud for Jalen Tyson. He's doing great in Cal. Pac-12 is an awful, awful, awful conference. I can't say he would have replicated it here. Uh, but, you know, all power to him. He's doing a good job with Cal, so good stuff. I mean, he's, he's got the ultimate green light. It's what he wanted. Exactly. He's got the ultimate green light. And now, he and now he's about to go to the ACC back. next year uh, for some odd, weird reason <laughs> cal is going to be in the acc the all coast conference <laughs> love the classic conference the conference matchup yeah. of duke and that's cal right. that's right we love so, it but um but no yeah but anyways <laughs> but anyways yeah so those two to me bill self and scott drew the two best coaches in the co- in, in college basketball and they both do that very well they adapt to whatever the team that they have in front of them they say i'm gonna get and now scott drew to me Baylor is the premier basketball college basketball program in the state. It's not it's not Texas. It hasn't been Texas for a while. Um, but it used to, at the very least, be if you were a five-star in Texas, you were going to consider the University of Texas, right? Even if you ended up choosing Kentucky or Duke or whatever, Texas was going to be in your top five because they're Texas. Now, if you're a five-star in Texas, Baylor has replaced that. No, no matter what, you're going to consider Baylor because of what Scott Drew has built. They won a national championship. Their new stadium looks great, even though the camera position looks awful. Um, but uh, but the faci- they got to upgrade in facilities. So now it's Baylor's at the top, and then Texas Tech, Texas, TCU, Texas A&M, they're all just competing for second, right? And I, I, I would argue that Texas Tech might even have a leg up on second place, but we're all competing for second. You would you, – you- you got oh, oh, sorry, I forgot too. about Houston. I mean, Houston has a leg being, up. No, I forgot about Houston. Then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Houston, it's like Baylor, what, Houston, yeah. 1A, you know, maybe I, I would give Houston a, but, uh, I would give Houston no, a totally firm agree. number two with everybody fighting for third. I, 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 you're right. I forgot about I forgot about Houston for sure. Um, yeah, uh, they're, you know, they're fans. Yeah. They're fans so. forget about Houston. So. <laughs> they're, they're, there's nobody there to tell you that they exist. So, you know, exactly. it's, it's but tough, I, but, <laughs> No, I I agree fully with the Scott Drew sentiment. I mean, that guy has absolutely done everything the right way, and and he's a fantastic coach. He does exactly what you need to do. He has taken that Mark Adams no middle defense and done exactly what you said that Chris Beard does. He replicates it, but he also uses who he's got on his team to make it and the, you know the best. And so, well, the weird part I, about Scott Drew, Scott Drew is, he, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know the guy personally. Um, you know, but he seems like a really nice, young no, but he seems like a really nice guy. <laughs> it's so annoying. Like I, I want to dislike yep. him. I want to hate him. I really I, do. Is. I, 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 I can't will not do hate it. Scott like, Drew. I'm just not going to do it. I, I, no matter how much that dude like, wins, I like Kelvin Sampson, but there's reasons to dislike him. Like he's given you reasons to, to talk bad about sure. him. Calipari is a douche. Like yeah. you can hate him all you all you want. You know what I'm oh, saying? God, Bill yeah. Self. Yeah. Bill Self's a nice guy, yeah. but he's also giving you some reasons to dislike him. And it's the it's, it's, it's just the Kansas the the no not getting in trouble oh for God. some of the questionable things yeah, that Kansas exactly. has done. It's all that I mean, you know, the referee love that they get at but, Allen but, Fieldhouse. But Scott Drew is way too dislike, successful so. to be so happy go lucky. Okay. 
That's and it and it almost you know what? Yeah. That's the reason to dislike him because he's too nice. It pisses me off <laughs> because if I was that successful, I'd be an a hole to everybody as he should be. Yeah, he. He's like the really cool elementary school teacher that you had. Like the one elementary school teacher that was a male that is just like, everybody likes him. Everybody likes being in his class. He's super nice. He gives out candy. He does all this cool stuff. And he's, he's like one of those guys. You can't, you look at his face. Yeah, and like, oh yeah, Mr. Phillips, you inspired me to be, <laughs> to be a great person. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Drew, yeah. I appreciate it. You know, and I know Scott Drew, you know, Scott Drew, I'm sure inspires a lot of people, but you know, he's never inspired me to dress well. You know, who does inspire me to dress well? Grant McCaslin and our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. So this podcast is brought to us by Charlie Hustle. They're a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City, and they specialize in Texas Tech and hometown Kansas City Chiefs apparel. So if you want to get your Pat Mahomes stuff from the KC side, get it from Charlie Hustle. If you want to get your Pat Mahomes stuff from the Texas Tech side, get it from Charlie Hustle. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of vintage Texas Tech school apparel. With, uh, and make sure to use our promo code, sorry, 101215, that's T-E-N-1215, to get 15% off of all non-sale items. Again, that is 101215. So shop today at charliehustle.com, Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. So talking, speaking of Houston, the Houston Cougs, we play them this upcoming week in Houston. Um, you know, I, we make a lot of jokes of Houston not having any fans, uh, and because they don't. But the great thing about basketball is that it's a smaller environment. You can actually, unless you're TCU, you can fit uh, your small fan base and make them sound loud, right? And so ever since they built the Fertitta Center and Houston's been good, they actually have had a nice fan base in basketball, right? They still don't give two craps about their football team unless they're playing the Texas Longhorns. But the basketball side of things, they actually are a nice thing. So I don't, th- I don't know. And I'm, I'm going to be interested to see this on uh, like or later this week. Uh, when do we play this team? Actually, we are playing them on Wednesday. I couldn't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday on Wednesday. I don't know if we'll be a similar situation with Texas where it's like walking your trap, take over your trap type of thing. Right. To where like Texas is just like, Hey, just don't sell tickets to the red Raiders in the lower bowl. But then like you hear Raider power up in the ceilings everywhere in the rafters. Right. Or if it's TCU where they just don't care and we just take over the entire stadium regardless. But um, like, I don't know how it's going to be. There's a lot of Houston red Raiders, right? If I was in Houston, I try to go to the game as much as possible, but that's also, again, it's a, it's a weeknight, right? I'm, I'm curious. I mean, what is, what are your thoughts? You think it's going to be, how is, how deafening is that home court advantage going to be for Houston? Or is it going to be enough red Raiders to take it over? It's not enough to scare me. So there's a million different environments in the Big 12 that are tough, tough places to play. Kansas State, Kansas, Hilton, and Iowa State. I mean, it is a there is so many good home court advantages. Not, I mean, the USA in Lubbock, Texas is a really tough environment to play in. And Houston, I just don't think has that same effect. Now, it could be the case. I I don't necessarily know their first year in the Big 12, how that fan base is going to show up. Like you said, smaller arena, so that helps them, you know, keeps the crowd noise in there. Um, the fact of the matter, with or without a home court advantage, this team is damn good. I know they've, they're one and two in the Big 12, but they are a damn good basketball team with a really good Hall of Fame level head coach. And it's just like, 
I, I hate playing the Houston Cougars, and now we got to play them once, twice a year, every year in basketball. And uh, and they're going to be hungry, man. They're coming off two straight losses, two teams. Uh, and so they're going to be I hungry, and I hate I thought it. we had a decent chance to win this game until, I re- until they lost to TCU. Like, back-to-back losses, that's a rough, a rough way to, to go into this game. And they were, already, they were already getting the welcome to the Big 12. You're not going to do what you've been doing the last couple of years. And now they got that in their brain. And they're going to be Which, I mean, be so fired. we talked about this in the last episode, too, of, like, Houston Cougs. Because they're already – I have another chat of uh, some friends that are like, oh, man, what's – you know, uh, uh, the Cougs, do we suck now? What's going on? I'm like, no, y'all just in the Big 12 now. Y'all lost six games in your yeah. conference the last three years because your conference isn't at the same level, right? Now, and it's – like, I, I predicted at the beginning of the year that I, I personally thought Tech, uh, U of H would lose seven games in conference this year, right? And it's... That was a, that was a bold prediction well, it's, to but what see, here's the most thing. people were saying. But here's the thing. It's not that bold when... if you It's only bold if you think they're going to win the conference, right? If you don't think they're going to win the conference, which I don't, then it's seven losses finished third in the conference last year. You know, that's just... It's just the Big 12. That's It's, it's, how, it's how this conference is. So I look at Houston and I say, well, y'all are still... You know, I don't know if they're a top five team, but they're still a top ten team in my opinion, right? Like they're still a top ten team in the country, and you and you can be that. But in the Big Twelve, of those top ten teams, four or five of them are in the Big Twelve. So like, like look, I mean, any anybody going from year after year, you you get Memphis, and then you get like USF, yeah, exactly. and you get you know all these other American teams. You're gonna get breaks, and you're gonna find ways throughout the conference season to, you know, not play as hard as you have to play in the Big 12 night in and night out. And that's what Houston's going to figure out. I mean, there is not a lot of coaches or teams that are going to go into this conference and just win, 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 win. I mean, it's going to be a grind and it's going to be a big lesson early on. And it's not like a it's not like anything against Houston and their success and what they've done. It's just it's a freaking fight going in night in and night out in this conference trying to play I can't remember and win who tweeted these games. Somebody had tweeted that it's harder to win a Big 12 conference championship than it is to win a national championship. And you know, it's I'll, I'll take the national championship personally, but I I, I, I like the I like the sentiment. Well, I like the I, sentiment. I'll say I this though. I get it though. Like <laughs> it's tough, man, because the thing about Houston, so the last two games at Iowa State at TCU, there's not an environment like Iowa State in the entire American Athletic Conference. Like these guys at Houston, now a lot of them are new, don't get me wrong, but like they they haven't played in an environment like that probably ever. Like there's not an environment like that. And Hilton, as great as it is, it isn't like there's other environments that match that same energy. USA, as you mentioned another quick aside. I find it hilarious that we all don't like the name United Supermarkets Arena, so we all just call it the USA and never call it anything. Just call it the like, USA. At least when it was the United Spirit Arena, it was like 50-50, something called USA, something United Spirit. United Supermarkets like, no, nah, we're just all going to call it the USA. So I think that's hilarious. I mean, when you have the acronym, when you have the acronym, yeah, you got to use it. The USA, it's easy. I just find that. Yeah, I just think that's hilarious. Despite the fact that it's the supermarkets <laughs> on, the, on the side. You know? so, but, um, but yeah, so the USA matches that. Obviously, Allen Fieldhouse matches that. K-State, when they're good commanders, that Oklahoma State hasn't been good in a while, but back in the day when Oklahoma State was good, that was an environment. Mm-hmm. So, like, Houston's going to have to deal with this. I mean, hell, even now the Shawmire Arena, in my opinion, is probably the worst environment in the conference. However, TCU is better. They have a, they only seat like 6,000 people. It's not a lot. 
Yeah. And they were loud in that Houston game. Like it was, exactly. because it's so small. Like you said, it's like seven K they can fit in there and they just so, absolutely. So these so it. these it's environments are not they're not used to like you said, USF, Tulsa, too. Like they're not you're not used to this. You're not used to like true passion in college basketball like this. So it's gonna be tough. But unfortunately you're gonna be back in the friendly confines of the Fertitta Center, right? You're gonna at least have you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be majority Houston fans, even if Tech fans are gonna try to make their way in. So it will be a little bit, and you're coming off of two straight losses, and you are a wildly talented team. So I mean, some of the you know, so for those that haven't seen the the, the University of Houston Cougars this year, the main name, the the top name, you're gonna have to really know, and you're not only gonna know now, but you're gonna know because he's gonna be playing in the NBA for years to come. Is L.J. Cryer, and he is a candidate for Big Twelve Player of the Year. Uh, candidate for the Naismith Award, to be depending on how the rest of his year goes, but uh, he's incredible. Averages almost 16 points a game, um, and and he is going to be, you know, uh, we were talking about Tyler Perry. I mean, he, Tyler Perry ain't got nothing on L.J. Cryer. I mean, what's you know, talking about him? Talking about Emmanuel <laughs> Sharp. I mean, what are your, what are some of the guys? Jared Sneed. Like, what are your what are your thoughts as we play this team? Yeah, I. I- well, LJ Cryer scares me the most because he's been in the Big 12. He was the transfer from Baylor. He spent many years at Baylor. Uh, so he knows this grind. He knows how to play against teams like Texas Tech and Kansas and all these because he's done it. And so that's not something you can say about Jamal Shedd or about Emmanuel Sharp, which, by the way, their guard play, I mean, unbelievable. To get those three guys starting for you game in and game out, that is so tough to guard. The first thing though that I when I looked at this Houston team and what we could potentially take advantage of, they don't have size like we have size. They don't have a 7-footer. They have Jawan uh what is his name? Jawan Roberts is kind of their de facto center that he plays. He's like 6-8, on a good day. I mean, you really have to take advantage on the pick and roll and get it in with to Warren Washington. That was the first thing that popped up to me because their guard play is so fierce but they do not have that premier big man that you kind of need in so this you know, conference. My first thoughts when I was thinking about this game is, and I've actually said this before, way earlier in the season, but Houston reminds me of another team in the Big 12. A better version of this team is still another team in the Big 12. They remind me of the Texas Longhorns. They, they remind me a lot, very guard heavy, not very big down low. They have some guys that are going to be greedy and try to get rebounds and all this other stuff, but their best post player is going to be 6'8". Right, not very deep as a team. Right, they're gonna go about seven, eight deep in general. They remind me a lot of the Texas Longhorns, but a, a better version, of course. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to sit here and say like Texas is as good as Houston. I think Houston's a lot better, but they're very guard heavy to that point. Right, they're. But I will say with them, and where it is a little bit different than Texas, they're gonna run. They're gonna run. They're gonna play speed ball. But as we've seen, with the exception of this K State game, that's right up our alley. That's that's what we like to do too. So we can play that game. Yeah, and I mean, if you have your guys, Joe Tucson, Pop Isaacs, you know, Kerwin is going to have to be, he's going to have to play with some different lineups. I would expect to see Lamar Washington a good amount in this Houston game just because they play three true guards pretty much the entire time at Houston. And so you, you're you going to need, you know, Kerwin is, is going to have a tough time trying to guard some of these guys. He's been pretty good on the defensive end this year, but, you know, it's it's different trying to guard uh, a six foot two, real quick, shifty kind of guard. And so, um, yeah, I, I am really looking forward to this matchup because it's going to, I'm curious to see the adjustments on both ends because you're really getting a good coaching matchup as much as you're getting yeah. a good player I, you know, matchup. So Juwan Roberts, who is their quote-unquote big man, even though he's 6'7", um, 
it's going to be interesting to me because I do think that if Warren Washington can kind of really limit and dominate him, because the thing about it is Cryer and, and, and Sheed and, and uh, um, uh, Sharp, they're going to get theirs. Like, it is what it is. They're going to get theirs. They're going to ball out. They're going to do what they can do. I mean, Tucson, I think, is going to do a pretty good job, probably likely on Sharp at the very least, right? Even though I think I think Cryer's a – I mean, I, I try to stop him if you can. But – Cryer, you can put somebody on the perimeter, though. I think like 60% yeah. of his shots are threes. So you can put somebody yeah, it, out it's, there it's, on him. They're going to get their, their points regardless. They're going to get their bucks regardless. But I do think if we limit the inside and the interior, right, and not just limit the interior defensively but also on offense, I having having both Washington and uh, Williams and McMillian when he's in the game and Lamar Jennings when he's in the game, like this really is going to – and really just beat them up. Just beat the hell out of them. Just beat him. I think that's where we get gain a, a big advantage there because let's face it, guard to guard, Houston's going to have the advantage. Our, our two main guys are going to be are popping. You know, it's two versus three, right? Popping Joe T versus uh, the guys that U of H has, and that's where we're going to falter. But where we have the advantage is down low in the post, and make him work for it. Get him in foul trouble. Get those guys fouled out. And force the perimeter guys to have to help out down low, and I think that's where we have a, a big advantage there. Yeah, they don't they don't have the length that Kansas State has. So it's playing like two different complete teams because as soon as you got in the paint, it was like Kansas State's all over you. You can get in the paint. If you get past that guard trio, you can get in the paint there and score on Houston. But at Kansas State, it was a little different story. So um, I, I'm excited to see what Grant does here. If he uses Washington in a more like get him in the post and get him the ball because we saw him score in the post one-on-one with that big dude from Kansas State. He could definitely take advantage against a uh, a Jawan Roberts for Houston. He's good in his own right, but uh, you know when you got a guy that's five inches on you. It's so tough. with that being said, it is time, Mr. Rodriguez, for our Prize Picks predictions. That's right. Make sure to download the Prize Picks app. Go ahead and when you di- download it, log in, do all that other stuff. What I need you to do is put in our promo code takes twelve. That's T A K E S one two. And listen, you can get you can put up to a hundred bucks if you want to. It don't matter. But Prize Picks is gonna match anything up to any deposit up to hundred bucks. That's free money. We're giving you free money here because you use our promo code takes twelve T A K E S one two. So Steven, for those Prize Picks predictions, I need you to let me know who needs to be the MVP for Texas Tech to be able to pull off the huge upset over currently ranked number two Houston Cougars. By the time this episode drops, we'll probably see the new the new ranking updated, but. Who needs to be that main guy for the Red Raiders? That main guy needs to be Warren Washington because you have the size advantage over Houston. You got a guy who, if he stays out of foul trouble, which he's done for the majority of this season, you know, and he's smart with it, he is going to be that X factor for you that Houston just simply cannot contain because they don't have a guy that size to compete with him. So yeah, he's my X factor is Warren Washington. I love it. That's probably where I was going to go, but I knew you were, I figured you were going to go there. I'm going to give you a kind of, I'm not necessarily MVP, but an X factor, if you will. And I'm going to go Darren Williams because I do, it's almost the same reason, right? Warren, I do think that Calvin Sampson is a good coach. I think he's going to, obviously you see the two teams and you see one guy that just sprouts up taller than everybody else. And I think he's going to have a game plan for him. Nobody has game plans for Darren Williams. Darren Williams is not the type of player that you game plan for. 
right? You game you game plan for Pop. You might game plan for Tucson. You game plan for Warren Washington. Those are the three you're going to game plan for. You're not really going to game plan for Darian Williams or Kerwin Walton. And I think those are the two guys that the games where we win is because one of those two guys have had a really good game, balled out. The Texas game, Darian Williams was everywhere. He was he was great, right? Kansas State game, uh, the Kansas State game, same thing, right? And so I think Darren Williams continues that streak of being that guy that really steps up. Uh, and and continues to lead the charge there. So, Darren Williams is my guy. And then with that being said, Stephen, who wins this game against the Houston Cougars and why? Oh, and what's the – actually, not why, but what's the score? You introduced me as the positive Texas Tech fan, so there's simply no way I can choose a Texas Tech L here. So, I am going to choose – the Texas Tech Red Raiders to go into the Fertitta Center and beat the Houston Cougars. Start off 4-0 in conference. Baylor has Kansas State this weekend, by the way, or this week, I should say. So, add Bromwich, so that's a good chance for Baylor to lose. But, no, to this point, I see this being a pretty high-scoring game, much to the difference of what we just saw this past Saturday. Uh, I am going to predict a close one, though. No blowouts by any means here. Texas Tech... 75, Houston, 73. 75-73. I like. So, in this game, uh, according to ESPN, they have the Houston Cougars with a 94.1% chance of winning the game. That's that's damn high. I don't <laughs> like that. So I, you know, high. like, I, <laughs> that's, but that's more towards not them not paying attention to Texas Tech. And I don't know if the experts should because we're not ranked. We haven't been ranked all year. We're finally turning it on. But I don't think a lot of people are That's paying true. attention to us right now. So if you're asking like an actual expert, I would probably put it at more 70-30 Houston than, you know, the, I would the probably, 94 I'd, six I'd even After the last two games, I'd even put it 65-35. I am going to go with the Houston Cougars winning this game, though. I do think, the, the I, you know, a home game on a weekday – Back-to-back losses for the Cougs. They're going to write the ship. I mean, Kelvin Sampson's too good of a coach. Um, they're going to write the ship. I do think it's going to be a little bit hard-nosed. I don't think Tech gets to 70 points. Uh, give me Houston 73, Tech 65. I still think it's going to be close. Houston pulls away at the end. Um, so, so that's it. Yeah, that's the way the Cougs crumbles. will be our first loss in conference. But hopefully – hey, guys, don't listen to me. Listen to Steven. He's the genius here. Uh, hopefully we're right. And uh, he's a genius in all things college sports, professional sports, especially the NBA. Hey. Doesn't know oh, what he's talking about. Oh, see, okay, all <laughs> he right. doesn't That's, know what he's talking about. I knew you were going to throw it. He's a sports fan. He can't trust. That's fine. Um, so, <laughs> oh, we can always trust. Uh, the worst team in the NBA. Here. Anyways, uh, <laughs> all the, uh, the Pistons, <laughs> the Pistons do exist. <laughs> Um, so real quick, as we look a little bit ahead, uh, I do want to get your, your thoughts on this weekend, Texas Tech plays BYU. Any initial thoughts there? Uh, you know, we're, this is a season where it's really tough to figure out because you have a lot of underclassmen, uh, trying to perform, uh, and, and be leaders on this team. And, you know, it's, it's just, sometimes it's not going to happen. And you saw it against Oklahoma. I, I, you know, if you get Bailey Mobbin going, if you get uh, Jazz Shavers going, there's always a chance because those two are extremely talented. But, um, you know, it's it's just one of those years where it may be like the middle tier year and then it's like everybody gets that extra year of experience and you go into next year going. So um, I don't know if it's I, – I don't know much about BYU, I'm going to be honest with you. So let's go with the Lady Raiders. No, I respect – see, this is how much of a full team – 
guy that he is because he saw that the Lady Raiders were playing BYU this year and didn't even care about the men also playing BYU is the team that I was asking about. But you were like, you're like, screw the men. Lady Raiders. And to be fair, Lady Raiders, I mean, they've kind of, to your point, kind of slipped a little bit. They've lost three out of the last four, but Big 12, baby. Conference season. So they're still. It's still tough. Gonna, it, it is tough. But I do want to get your thoughts on the men playing at home against BYU um, there. What, what are your thoughts there? The men, you know, again, BYU is a tough team. I think they were more showing up early on in the season. Um, they're, you know, they had a good start. They they were one of the last undefeateds. They have a really good big guy there. They shoot the crap out of the ball some of the games from the three. So um, back in Lubbock, I mean, it's going to be a tough environment. This is more like Houston, welcome to the Big 12 moment. For BYU, I mean, it, it it may be tough for them, so I I, I would give the advantage. BYU to Texas over Tech again. It. I'm, a, I'm you know I'm I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this. <laughs> I agree. I, I don't 100 agree. They're they're a shooting team. They're a shooting team. If they go, if they, I mean, they're going to shoot 35 three pointers a game, and uh, in the Big 12, you're going to get I better. Guess the thing that weird, it's weird to me about BYU is why are they over? Like, Texas is Texas. It is what it is. Like, they're going to be overrated. That's fine. Kansas. If Now, I do think Kansas is the best team in the nation. Let me just throw that out. Even with their loss, I, I, I felt this way. However, on other years, on off years, they're going to be overrated. It is what it is. BYU, I'm sitting here, and I'm like, y'all are not one of the 20 best teams in the country. How are y'all up here like this? <laughs> like, what is – what is because because you blew out Wyoming? Like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> Mark Pope gets, like, a very, like he's, – he's very high thought of in the college basketball community. And I guess I get it. Like, you know, they played tough teams in the past. It's not like they're coming from like the American athletic conference. Like they played Gonzaga pretty consistently. They play a lot of the PAC 12 teams. So like, I guess they have, they're being held in higher regard, but I don't know, man. Like I, I'm putting them third of the, of the newcomers. And I don't even blame you because Cincinnati's been playing pretty well. I'm playing pretty well. Yeah. That, they're good. That is a good team. A good See, and, that, team and they're season. underrated. It is, so I don't, I don't know what's going on here. So, but anyways, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Especially if Tech loses this game against Houston, I do think they're gonna have a nice bounce back against BYU. So before we get you out of here, Stephen, I, you know, we all like talking football. So I wanted to get your just general thoughts on the football team, on Joey McGuire's second year, and what your give everybody your optimistic take on the football program as we head into a uh, year three of McGuire and Kitley and, and a rooter. Please that do not go and back and please, please do not go back and listen to our preseason pod on, on last year's football team <laughs> because <laughs> it was, it was a tough, it's a tough re-listen uh, if you're me, but uh, <laughs> a lot of bad predictions there. Um, listen, I still like, Joey McGuire. I still like Zach Kitley. I still like Tim DeRuiter. Do I like two of those guys more than the other right now? Yes. <laughs> I think you have a really solid team. You have some good transfers coming in. You are playing a brand new Big 12 schedule. You have a good opportunity. You finally have some consistency at the quarterback position, if healthy. And that's a big if because the last seven years have shown you otherwise. But, you know, I want this team to stay healthy and I think they can be competitive next year in the new big 12. So I'm not 
too high. I'm not too low. I'm not going to go in with as much freaking Kool-Aid drinking as I did last year uh, on this football team, and uh, we'll just let it ride and so see how So I will say football-wise, and we'll talk about this, you know, listeners of the pod, we'll talk about this as we get closer to football, of course. Um, I have a take, not on the 2024 team. I mean, 2024 team, we'll, we'll see. This will be the first real year of Maguire's players getting in. Guys like Joe Adedire, Ben Roberts got played a lot last year, but he's going to play even more this year. Maurice Horn, we're going to start seeing a lot of him. Guys, guys like that, right? We'll probably, you know, we'll, you know, this will be the year we actually start to see those guys. But 2024, I think, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, mean, I think everybody's going to be really level-headed. I think where the level-headedness may stop is 2025. That is the year I'm I'm looking ahead and I look at 2025 and I'm like, "Ooh. 2024 has to go well for 25 to be like this." But I, as we talk and we're recording this right now, January 14, 2024, that 2025 season. Ah, uh, Kool-Aid drinking may be back. Looking pretty it good. It may be back. Okay. But you know, College football is day to day. I mean, Jed Fish was the coach of the University of Arizona Wildcats just yesterday, and now he's in Seattle. So, um, Stephen, go ahead and plug your plug what everything that you do. Yeah, no, Talking Tech Pod. You follow us on X at Talking Tech Pod. You can follow both me and Tristan, my co-host, who is selfishly not here today. How dare he? Uh, no, I'm at L underscore S underscore Rodriguez, but don't follow my personal because I just tweet from the Talking Tech Pod account. That's me. If, if anybody's curious about which one of us is tweeting, it's always me because Tristan does his own thing. Add Tristan Mick, by the way. Um, you can follow our, our podcast is on every streaming platform. Uh, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen. You know, we're always happy to hop on other great podcasts like the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Um, we have an Instagram. I haven't posted on it in a hot minute. But it's at Talking Tech Pod, so I'll go ahead and plug it. But uh, but yeah, man, really appreciate you having us on, and uh, you know, we're we're just looking forward to more good basketball. Absolutely, absolutely. So people think that we're like like all of us Tech Pods are rivals, and we like we're all friends. <laughs> we're Mm-mm. we're all we're all friends. Like I see I see these dudes I I see these dudes at football games. We'll get together beforehand. Like me yeah. and the Gauchos have had a good time prior to the game. The I'm really good friends with the Ramblin' Raiders. We're all like, friends. We're all <laughs> good buddies. Like, there's, there's, there are certain pods that want to, like, you know, try to stray away and not be buddies. But no, yeah, we're well, just those, out here to have I mean, those time. pods aren't successful. Anyways, um, <laughs> 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 that's, that's why. Um, but no, always a great time to have you guys on. And, and Steven's not lying about him being the guy. When I, when I hit him up to be on this ep- uh, episode, I didn't even, I did not go to his personal. <laughs> I was like, went straight. I was like, hey, Steve. No. And I wasn't even like, hey, which one of you guys? I'm like, yo, Steve, he's like, what's, what's, what's up? He's, he's like, I was like, Albie knows. Yeah. He knows that it's me. Like, Justin's doing his own thing. Like, hey, Steve, what's up? You ready to come on? So, yeah. But yeah. anyway, so I appreciate Steve, <laughs> Steven for coming on to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. Always a great time to have uh, Talking Tech on here. And, uh, yeah, this is Albie's Arena. We're going to, again, have guests all throughout basketball season. Uh, we are going to continue to have Lady Raider episodes with, with Jeremy, um, and, and I, I've been trying to tell him to call it Jeremy's gym, but he refuses to, um, Selfish. So, but, uh, it is what it is, you know? Uh, but yeah, so we will have lady Raiders basketball with Jeremy. Kenzie will make some guest appearances on there as well. Um, so we're going to cover both spectrums of hoops ball, both spectrum of hoop ball. So for Steven Rodriguez from talking tech podcast, this is your boy, Albie Shore, And this has been tortillas and takes part of the 1012 network. As always stay wrecked folks. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.